You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. Um, on uh, web, we are on rr365.co.uk. Listen live, program reflections with your host Zubair Akram and my guest Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. <laughs> Badly time Islam today. Uh-huh. It's a community radio station run by novices. And that's the beauty of it. Like 26 years, Alhamdulillah, 25 years. <laughs> we have technical glitches. Yeah, I can say I grew grey in Radio Ramadan. Well, Alhamdulillah. Surah Ambiya is uh, what we have been blessed with this month. Uh, to reflect upon, to ponder, to find the meanings with the context which is relevant for us and also look into the detail of why and how the ayahs were revealed at the time they were revealed. And it's been a a fabulous journey, at least for me, to explore yet another surah uh, in this month of Ramadan and in this program, Reflections, Uh, such a different take. Um, the highlight for me has been uh, the the meaning of mountains uh, in this month, and how the mountains. But you know, do you know, I was actually thinking of that mountains. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm in Istanbul, and um, it's built in seven. Apparently, seven. seven you know, I don't know if I've told you this before. I, I think I have oh. told you. Oh yeah, the seven mountains that we have. The, yeah, the seven the, mountains the, that Istanbul is built on. Yes, I think the, the yeah. When uh, we were going on, on that boat, boat journey, on the, on, the, you, on, the, on the cruise, yes. <laughs> if you remember, we were on the cruise, um, the Bosphorus. We were going from Ayub Sultan, the, yeah. the burial place of uh, Abu Yubal Sadi radiallahu anhu. Um, and on the way back, I was I was talking you through the the, the main uh, mountains Mosque. of Istanbul. Upon which their famous um, sultans are buried, and so you have Sultan Salim, you have Bayezid, you have Fatih. So these are all very famous. Suleimania, for example, they're all very famous um, hills, yeah. and and they're considered to be very similar to Rome as well. Rome's built um, traditionally considered to be built on seven uh, mountains. So that that theme continues, and that's why. Um, you know, the Prophet ﷺ talks about the conquering of Rome and the con- conquering of Constantinia, Constantinople. Yep. You know, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, I've been thinking about those hadiths for a long time um, because scholars of this day, up until today, um, have always said this, this is a, these are confusing hadiths because the Prophet said that you will indeed conquer Constantinople, which is Istanbul. And this is seen as a sign of the end of times. And people always say, well, it's been conquered already, so how will it can be conquered again? And every single scholar you listen to will say, well, it's a mystery, what will happen? And then there's also hadith that talk about Romia, which is considered to be Rome. And there's always been, I feel, this confusion and I would say almost like a misunderstanding of the, of the hadith because, you know, the time the Prophet when he was speaking, um, the, the, the Roman Empire which we, you know, when we talk about the Prophet sending um, an army against the Romans, for example, Rome was no longer under the under the under the power and, and tutelage of the Holy Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Two centuries before that, they had been conquered. I mean, the Visigoths and the kind of barbarians from the from the the West had come and sacked Rome, and then the Roman Empire started to shrink, and it ended up shrinking around Constantinople. And so, so when Constantine the Great, you know, made that his capital, he called it the New Rome. So mm-hmm. Istanbul, which is now called Istanbul for the last hundred years, was previously called Constantinople, but it was also called at the same time um, the New Rome because it was the center of the Roman Empire. So in the, in the Quran, when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala talks about Ghulibat al-Rome, that the Romans have been, um, you know, defeated. Now that verse or that, that chapter at the beginning of it actually refers to the Byzantine Empire. Hmm. So it's not the Roman Empire, it's the Byzantine Empire because the Byzantine Empire was, was centered in Constantinople. 
And so mountains, the reason why I mentioned this is because you mentioned your... Mountains. Your kind of well, highlight is the mountains. My, my highlight, yes. Your highlight. It was a surprise. I thought you were going to talk about something else. But <laughs> it's interesting because mountains represent the pinnacle of something. And so what's interesting is the, the, the Ottomans, they ended up building um, the resting place of the greatest sultans on these mountains. At the top, at the pinnacle of these mountains, so Sultan Fatih, Sultan Salim, Yabu uh, Salim, the Grim, uh, Bayezid the second. You have um, Suleiman the Magnificent, and also if you look at Chamlija, which is on the Asian side, it's considered to be again one of those. And that's actually on the Asian side, and they built one the biggest mosque in Asia or in Anatolian Turkey on that pinnacle as well. The, so the, 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 why, new, the new mosque. The new yeah, the mosque. new mosque. And so why is that all important? It's important because they honor great people by putting them on top of the mountain. Hmm. You know, it's almost like the graves of these great people are honored by being placed at the top of the mountains because it's almost like you're saying, these are the mountains. You know, the city was built at the feet of these great people, like Sultan Fatih, Mehmet, who conquered uh, Constantinople or Suleiman the Magnificent who who ruled over more more land than any any other of the uh, you know kind of sultans of his age and was at the pinnacle of the longest continuously extended empire in the history of human society. Now, how did they honor them? They put them at the very place that is honored, which is these considered to be holy mountains. Mm. And so, every culture, yeah. every society has had that understanding. Yeah, so, so, so to me, there's several meanings, several shades of meaning for the mountains. And, and my highlight I'm sharing with the listeners, uh, what we reflected upon was that it wasn't just the structures, the, the enormity of the structures, but the analogy of it with people who are almost like mountains. Mm -hmm. they, they, they are the summits of um, uh, morality, the summits of perfection, the summits of... Um, people who you know you literally look up to mm. as you look up to the peaks of the mountains and, and they, yeah, they look and, lofty and exactly and that's why you know when i mentioned i might mention when i was explaining it is one of the words in in um, in arabic for prophet or or the name or the root of the word is from nabawa which is like a, a pinnacle or a peak mm. Mm. so you know a prophet is a, almost like a peak in the morality of you know, like the COVID peaks, the people are talking about there's a peak here and the peak there. Yep. The prophets are at the peak of moral character and and ethics and and God consciousness. And so they're markers of the perfection. And so what are they? Mountains, they're peaks. And so that's why this chapter is called Al-Anbiya, which is this is the prof this is the, the chapter of the mountains, the peaks of the mountains, morally so speaking. Wow, so, 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 so you know, it's, people... it's, not, it's not all for nothing, right? So yeah, the city that we lived in, or we still live in, Glasgow, is surrounded by just about 260 peaks, mm. which are 3,000 feet or above. Or above, or above, yes. Yeah, and Corbett's. Like, so we're blessed, we're blessed. Blessed, yeah. subhanAllah. So in, in that valley... Um, and the valley is synonymous to the pathways of, Hida of Hidayah. Of normal yeah. people. And also the pathways to living a normal life, looking up to the mountain. Yeah, because, you know, some I, I gave a lecture about the Prophet in, in, in a university a number of long, long time ago, actually, and somebody asked a question, which is, you, you said to me, you've, you've, you've painted the prophets as being unreachable. And I said, good. That's the point, because you're supposed to look up to them to see how much you still have to do. Because, yeah. and they said, well, no, we can't fold them. I said, why not? Why can't you be generous? Why can't you attempt to be generous? And every time you try, you realize you've got so much to do. And it, and it causes you this kind of sense of, of um, you know, humility in you, that your generosity is nothing compared to their generosity. Bravery is nothing compared to theirs. Intellect, nothing can complete compared to theirs, you know, all these qualities, and then it means you strive even further. You know, this is why, you know, in any era when you have sportsmen or, or any competition, the worst time is when there's nobody that can be, competes with you 
and basically you have a free run of everything. And it's only when you're challenged by somebody else or other people that you end up saying, okay, let's get better because we can do so much better. And you end up racing faster or getting a higher score. Morality is the same thing in terms of you know, God consciousness as well. And even when you do achieve the summit, and that's for a short time, mm. the structure remains and that's personified peak, but you're only there for a short while. And then that's it. Uh, yeah, so... I mean that's interesting because you, you can you can reach some sort of um, experience of what they experienced. Like you can experience God consciousness for a split second, but not yep. in an extended way. You can experience the, the the beauty of giving and generosity, but not for an extended period. Bravery, you know, reliance on Allah, but not for an extended period. You get a glimpse of it and it disappears. Yeah. And because of that, you're always chasing after the next possibility of having that same experience, like God consciousness. So in Ramadan, for example, you know, people, normal people like ourselves or myself, we kind of, we, we hope that we have some kind of spiritual intimacy with God and, and being able to speak to God as if he is our creator truly. But it comes so rarely that when it does come, it's so precious. And so you remember like the two or three times in your life that you think, okay, that was, I was in worship. Do you understand? Yeah. Otherwise, what would it be? You would just be like this kind of angelic person thinking you're invincible. Uh, Whereas you, yeah, because you reminisce like the one time or the two times that you perhaps shed a tear. See, when, when, you, when you're doing the mountains, right? I mean, mm. you, when you're following the Prophet to reach mm. a certain maqam or most of the time in years of doing the mountains, when you reach the pinnacle, it's almost 80% either raining or it's cloudy mm. and you just run back. Uh, the, the whole exercise is to get there. But once you get there, you, you just actually can't stay for long. Mm. And it's rare that it's clear and it's good weather mm. and you stay for a bit. Yeah, it's Even very then, rare. Yeah. Very rare. Very it's rare. very rare. It's a cinematic experience where you actually get in, get to totally get your eye full and your ear full and your, you know, breath, the breath comes in directly from your surroundings. Very rare. So you're left yeah. waiting for that next moment where you can have that complete experience. And that's why you value it so much. Remember, you know, supply and demand, isn't it? It's like the economy works on supply and demand. If you've got something that everybody wants, then they're going to pay for it. And I was actually reading about a meme today. There was a... There's a picture of a girl who was, uh, people say, I, was, I was reading through the newsreel and um, I read through the weirdest stuff, but, but it's fascinating. There was this girl, she's probably about seven years old, and she was looking into the camera and in the background was a house burning. And she was looking at the camera in a very mischievous way. And apparently that, that became a very famous um, meme, image. you know, a meme's like an image. She sold it for about, I think, half a million pounds just oh. a couple of days ago. The okay. digital, the digital rights to that. So, okay. So, thing is, supply and demand. Like nobody else. I don't. We don't know the picture, but the house was burning as if she'd burnt the house. She's a child of seven. You're thinking, how can a child be smirking and happy over the burning of a house? Is she some kind of devil child or something? That image was so rare that you know, supply and demand meant that she can sell a digital meme of that, which is such a new thing, for half a million pounds. Supply and demand. And so spirituality is very similar. It's supply and demand. If it's something that's rare, it's much more precious. And that is why, you know, Allah only allows you a small number of scatterings of spiritual happiness because supply and demand. If you felt you'd get it any moment, you would just, you would say, I'll get it later. You know, it's like, you know, it's like milk. Get to the, go to the shop. You know, it's always going to be there. You give it no value. Things we give value are the things like, you know, you're, you're in, in the good old days you had your Christmas sales or Boxing Day sales where it was once a year and you might get a bargain once in 10 years, for example, a really good bargain. And so supply and demand. So you, you reminisce about that time I bought that coat for £50, which was £500. But that's like once in 10 years. Your spiritual life is the same. Supply and demand. Subhanallah, man, Iqbal ka shir hai, Salik Mukamat mein kho gaya. Pata nahi, pehla misra bhool gaya mujhe. Salik Mukamat mein kho gaya. Yani, manzil ko bhool ke, 
راستے میں جو نظارہ ہے نا اسی میں کھو جاتا ہے سالک تو جو کبھی کبھی ایکسسی ایکسپیرینس کرتا ہے نا سالک تو کبھی کبھی اسی میں کھو جاتا ہے وہ کہتا ہے ہاں مجھے نظارہ ہونا چاہیے خواب آنا چاہیے لیکن اصل کچھ اور ہے some kind of entertainment or some kind of experience that they're waiting for and they're waiting, waiting and, and they forget the fact that they've missed the bus. Mm. So that's a, that's a reality. That's the reality of our thing. We think the whole purpose is to have an experience when it's, the actual purpose is to go on the path, continue on the path. And mundanely, just like almost sometimes plodding along in a very boring way, but that's it. Because if you don't complete, continue to go, you won't get that next amazing experience because the next amazing experience isn't in your past because that's you can't go back in time it's in the future but all you have to do is keep plodding away just like even if it's so boring you start to keep plodding away because it's still going forward and in the forward movement with a good intention you'll inshallah have you know something that you've always yearned for inshallah inshallah so it 19 it is just now 29th of april 16th of ramadan reflections with sheikh razwan muhammad today's ayahs facility in the name of allah the entirely merciful the especially merciful And we had already given Moses and Aaron the criterion and a light and a reminder for the righteous. Who fear their Lord unseen while they are of the hour apprehensive. And this Quran is a blessed message which we have sent down. Then are you with it unacquainted? وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ رُشْدَهُ مِنْ قَبْلُ وَكُنَّا بِهِ عَالِمِينَ And we had certainly given Abraham his sound judgment before, and we were of him well-knowing. إِذْ قَالَ لِأَبِيهِ وَقَوْمِهِ مَا هَذِهِ التَّمَاثِيلُ الَّتِي When he said to his father and his people, what are these statues to which you are devoted? قیامت کے روز ہم ٹھیک ٹھیک تولنے والے ترازو رکھ دیں گے پھر کسی شخص پر ذرہ برابر ظلم نہ ہوگا جس کا رائی کے دانے برابر بھی کچھ کیا دھرا ہوگا وہ ہم سامنے لے آئیں گے اور حساب لگانے کے لیے ہم کافی ہیں پہلے ہم موسا اور ہارون کو فرقان اور روشنی اور ذکر عطا کر چکے ان متقی لوگوں کی بھلائی کے لیے جو بے دیکھے اپنے رب سے ڈریں اور جن کو حساب کی اس گھڑی کا کھٹکا لگا ہو اور اب یہ بابرکت ذکر ہم نے تمہارے لیے نازل کیا ہے پھر کیا تم اس کو قبول کرنے سے انکاری ہو اس سے بھی پہلے ہم نے ابراہیم کو اس کی ہوش مندی بخشی تھی اور ہم اس کو خوب جانتے تھے یاد کرو وہ موقع جب کہ اس نے اپنے باپ اور اپنی قوم سے کہا تھا یہ مورتیں کیسی ہیں جن کے تم لوگ گرویدہ ہو رہے ہو انہوں نے جواب دیا ہم نے اپنے باپ دادا کو ان کی عبادت کرتے پایا اس نے کہا تم بھی گمراہ ہو اور تمہارے باپ دادا بھی سریح گمراہی میں پڑے ہیں صدق اللہ العظیم یہ آج کی آیات سورہ انبیاء دیز آیاز probably more kind of um, uh, more closer to the, the 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 name of the surah ambiya where now we have started to uh, we, we kind of uh, explore the short stories of the prophets uh, starting with ibrahim and musa and harun sheikh yeah, so these yes yeah, so you're saying that these are these verses are probably more in tune with the what we expect which is ambiya is prophets prophet name no not one name of a prophet 
properly speaking, as, as, as has appeared in the chapter up until now. And we're pro probably close to the, ha the middle path part of the, the chapter itself. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces it quite an interesting way because what will come up in about two or three verses is the whole dialogue. In fact, the longest dialogue in, in the chapter itself is going to be about the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salatu and his dialogue with the actual, um, um, you would say, the polytheists. And um, and that will be the, the longest, the longest dialogue. It will be an in-depth back and forth between him and his people about the the audacity of how human beings can take up idols and worship them, which essentially is what the, the beginning of the chapter was warning against, which is the, the idol worshipping. Idol worshipping is, is a historical reality stretching over human civilization. And so... Before that happens, you have, you know, an introduction to that, which is, you know, it's, it's worth thinking about because before this, it's all, it's not related to prophets. It's, a, it's about, you know, we will place the, the 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 scales of justice and the day of judgment, and it will be about hisab, it will be about truthfulness and, and, the, and the fact that there's no idols, you know, that are worthy of worship because they're created by human beings. This is a kind of discussion that's going on before this but then when the discussion about prophets comes comes up Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Musa wa Harun al that we have granted to Moses and Aaron um the furqan it is this criteria of truth and falsehood wadiya and which is a, a source of light and also a, a source of remembrance for those that have you know god consciousness now what's interesting here is you would the first thing your mind goes to is prophets are mentioned. You think that's fine, mm -hmm. okay? But what is happening here is this is like a, a bridge to from God, which is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and His and the reality of meeting meeting God and being judged by God, and the fact that God will place down balances in the day of judgment to 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 take you to account, and then how that's communicated to us, which is through revelation, which is through inspiration that Allah places within the heart of a human being who then becomes a Nabi. So do you understand? So a Nabi is a person that, as I said before, is a person that receives information of the unseen through revelation. And so this, these chapters, these verses are quite interesting, these three or four, which seem like unrelated and not relevant. These, I, I believe these are kind of a bridge between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being the ultimate authority who will bring you to account and bring hisab, iqtarab al-nasi hisabuhum as this chapter begins with, you know, the, 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 the kind of decree of people and their reckoning is approaching fast. From that to the fact that there will be prophets in their stories is the fact that how do they get it? It's through revelation. So in this verse, it talks about Moses and Harun, which is Aaron, being given a criteria for right and wrong, a source of light, and something that reminds people that have the awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those that those that have a sense of awe with their Lord while in private, And also they're they're in this sense of mushfiq is an interesting word, they're apprehensive. They have you know this kind of they're they're not sure what's going to happen. This is the, the 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 revelation is for those types of people, and then Allah says, Muhammad tells them that as for the Quran, this is a reminder which is blessed, which we have revealed. Mm -hmm. And O Quraysh and the people that are listening to this revelation, which is the Quran, not the previous one, are you going to then disbelieve in it? And then it goes on, then it, the bridge continues to this whole story about the prophets that will come up. And indeed we did grant to Abraham his rushd. His rushd is like guidance, is like a pathway, which is revelation. I don't know how it's translated in Urdu, but rushd is essentially a paraphrasing of some kind of book, some kind of revelation. And we know the prophet Ibrahim was given suhuf, Min qablu, before this, wa kunna bihi alimin, and we were fully cognizant and aware of what he was doing as a prophet. And so these verses, four verses, are an amazing bridge from discussion about God's unity and tawheed and the and the 
and the futility of idol worship and shirk to the fact that the only way that the, the message is conveyed is through revelation. And I'll give, I'll give you another important point, which is actually the most important point, which is the Prophet Ibrahim will basically call for a revolution. He will shake everything up, as you know, will come up in, in this chapter. And what the chapter is saying is that, you know, you can never really, nobody, in fact, nobody in human history who has really changed society for the better has been anything but a prophet. Mm. If you think of, and through revelation, through revelation. In other words, you know, any, Professor, any Professor, kind of... Ugly ayat, I think we're going to go on to them. So, yes, yeah, so we're going to go on to the Prophet Ibrahim's um, verses. Ibrahim's. But what what's important for me here is why does Allah bring in this idea of revelation and inspiration from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to impart change and almost like, you know, kind of undermining the oppressing societies within which people live. There's never been an oppressor who has been brought to their knee except that the person that brought them to the knee was somebody who's a prophet or inspired by a prophet. That's, that's for me as a, as a Hoshmandi is like emotional hoshmandi, meaning having complete control over your capacity, mental capacities. Mental capacity. And yeah, psych you, you, you psychological know, you capacity. You know where you are. Yes. Yeah. So rushd here is a, a, a paraphrase for revelation. Because where's the, where does this, what is given to him is his, um, you know, kind of understanding, deep psychological and, and mental understanding. But remember it's understood it's from revelation. It's not as if God said, okay, here's some understanding for you, O Ibrahim. It's through the light of revelation. And so the light of revelation will be the thing that will motor him and power him through these dialogues with his community. You know, if you're thinking, how does he have the edge over all of his community at the young age, which he was in his young, young years, you know, mm -hmm. how was he able to carry himself? It was that he was given rushd, which is this kind of maturity yep. before his age. And how was that? It was through God inspiring him as a prophet mm. to be able to withstand the obvious. So, in, in, younger, in younger days in, in our classroom, mm. there will be people, there will be guys who we call, we would nickname them Baba. <laughs> in, they, they, they were Babajis at the age of 12, 13, 14. You know, it's an interesting. Uh, my wife said that, but my daughter just said that. The, this the, 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 just, just, just now. Just now. The because my, my, my daughter kept telling my, my wife to do certain things, and she, she said, You know, you're like my, you know, my mother. Yeah. Always yeah, telling yeah. me this is right, this is wrong. Don't drink this, don't eat this. Yeah. So and she's so, 11. So, she's 11 years old. Alhamdulillah. So, Kuch Log, Padai Babi Otena. ابراہیم کو اس کی خوب جانتے تھے Now in, in Arabic, qablu, so in, in Arabic, it's one of these things when it, when it has a dhamma at the end of a qabl, qabla, or qabla it, it, it indicates that there's a whole thing missing. It doesn't say what before what. Hmm. And so what's understood, is it before his time? And it was before the time he should have been intelligent enough to be able to do this? Or is it before the time of revelation came to him? Or is it before everything that you would imagine? Because qablu here means it's open. You can add in anything you want. In other words, he was before his time. He was mature before his time. He was he was intelligent before his time. He was a leader before his time. Because remember, the Prophet and the, and the Quran reiterates the fact that he was almost like a community by himself. You know, he didn't need anybody to be 
part of his community in Ummah because he was Ummah himself. He was a he was a community by himself. So and, when, when you yeah. termed this, when you termed this, how are you how are you supposed to interact with this term that people give you? That you're a Baba before your age. You're a Baba before your age. What, what's what's the guidance in this surah? What did Ibrahim do? So I'm sure that people, I'm sure people listening, they would have come across this. Some of them, that they in their own families they would be called that they are ahead of their age. They they, hmm. they act forty while they are twenty. Yeah, I mean, just run with it. I mean, just because it's, it's not enjoy as the if, fact. you know, it means it's a it's a difficult one in this society. Just give you a bit of social context here, which is that that. You know, rushed here usually means some kind of sense of, you know, planning, some kind of idea of, you know, in the long term, this won't be good for us, some kind of introspection. Um, dare I say it, some kind of, you know, a conservative mindset, which means that it's not all about the here and now and making change now. It's about the long term effects of something. You know, like everybody wants to do things, but you have to think of, well, his, what does history tell us? What does, the, what do, what does, Revelation tell us about this thing, and it puts a almost like um, a dampener. They say on events, you know, it's like the person's always trying to, you know, stop people enjoying themselves and all the rest of it. You know, that's part and parcel of Baba is that, you know, you're yeah. thinking, let us enjoy ourselves, and he's saying, no, no, it's going to be bad for you. No, no. Yeah, something else. Yeah, there, there is. So there is another. Run with it. I mean, this is, you know, at the end of the day, you'll be proven to be correct. Hmm. You know, so it's not as if you should, but our society is what? It's a society when you're supposed to innovate. It's a society within which you're supposed to change the mold and break with tradition. And so obviously the idea of rushed itself is about not protecting the sweet status quo, but protecting a sane alternative, like what our intellects and our minds and history tells us about certain things. We should stick with that rather than messing everything up like anarchists, and then saying, okay, hopefully it'll come back to be better. So it's like you don't like something. What do you do? You just blow it up, hoping that when it falls down, it'll be a better thing than the thing you blew up. But guess what? If you blow something up, it, it, it's, it's rubble. It's never going to be a building that somebody built up, whatever, however oppressive you felt it, it was. And how do you know that? History, you know, or just not in history, news. You know, you just have to look, look in them. Take away your ideological biases and realize that's the case. And the thing about Prophet Ibrahim is that he's going to then this rush, this 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 uh, this sense of what is true, and the need to speak the truth in the face of power and authority, and his his compatriots is going to show you know, almost like this amazing experience of power within the power of an individual to stand up to these kind of ideas. And this is what happens. Uh, inshallah, we're going to go on to the next set of ayahs. Uh, time just now is 8.36. Iftar today is at 8.58. Um, uh, the next set of ayahs is very interesting. And we would like to take comment from Sheikh Rizwan after we've heard these ayahs. <laughs> In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. They said, we found our fathers worshippers of them. He said, you were certainly, you and your fathers, in manifest error. They said, have you come to us with truth, or are you of those who jest? He said, No, 
rather your Lord is the Lord of the heavens and the earth who created them, and I, to that, am of those who testify. And I swear by Allah, I will surely plan against your idols after you have turned and gone away. So he made them into fragments, except a large one among them, that they might return to it in question. They said, Who has done this to our gods? Indeed, he is of the wrongdoers. They said, We heard a young man mention them who is called Abraham. بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم میں خط پوری آیات نہیں ہم نے آپ کے سامنے رکھی انہوں نے جواب دیا کہ ہم نے اپنے باپ دادا کو ان کی عبادت کرتے پایا اس نے کہا تم بھی گمراہ ہو اور تمہارے باپ دادا بھی سری گمراہی میں پڑے ہوئے تھے انہوں نے کہا کیا تمہار تم ہمارے سامنے اپنے اصلی خیالات پیش کر رہے ہو یا مذاق اس نے جواب دیا نہیں بلکہ فی الواقع تمہارا رب وہی ہے جو زمین اور آسمانوں کا رب ہے اور ان کا پیدا کرنے والا ہے اس پر میں تمہارے سامنے گواہی دیتا ہوں اور خدا کی قسم میں تمہاری غیر موجودگی میں ضرور تمہارے بتوں کی خبر لوں گا چنانچہ اس نے ان کو ٹکڑے ٹکڑے کر دیا اور صرف ان کے بڑے کو چھوڑ دیا تاکہ شاید وہ اس کی طرف رجوع کریں انہوں نے آ کر بتوں کا یہ حال دیکھا تو کہنے لگے ہمارے خداؤں کا یہ حال کس نے کیا بڑا ہی ظالم تھا کوئی بعض لوگ بولے ہم نے ایک نوجوان کو ان کا ذکر کرتے سنا تھا جس کا نام ابراہیم ہے انہوں نے کہا تو پکڑ لاؤ اس سب کے سامنے تاکہ لوگ دیکھ لیں کہ اس کی کیسی خبر دی جاتی ہے ابراہیم کے آنے پر انہوں نے پوچھا کیوں ابراہیم تو نے ہمارے خداؤں کے ساتھ یہ حرکت کی ہے اس نے جواب دیا بلکہ یہ سب کچھ ان کے اس سردار نے کیا ہے انہی سے پوچھ لو اگر یہ بولتے ہوں یہ سن کر وہ لوگ اپنے ضمیر کی طرف پلٹے اور اپنے دلوں میں کہنے لگے واقعی تم خود ہی ظالم ہو میرے خیال یہاں تک رکھیں اور انشاءاللہ شاء اللہ کنٹینیو پروبلی جی شیخ انٹرسٹنگ fascinating chap you know section in the, in the chapter itself yeah. um because it says that okay prophet ibrahim's given ali salatu wasalam is given this understanding before his time and what he does is he tells his his father or it means his uncle there's a whole discussion in scholars of tafsir about who this person was and his people the important thing is the people that brought him up and the people he lived amongst he's, he's basically asked them what are these you know idols that you're 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 standing in of and worshiping and their response is not oh this this we saw this thing give us you know um risk or or money or ever he said we found our forefathers worshiping these things this whole idea of you know how it was in the past it will continue today even though it makes no sense this is the way you should do it and there's no change at all the prophet ibrahim says something straightforward he says even if you and your forefathers were in complete and manifest error you know and they say they don't say you know what they say is okay tell us something better they said qalu ajitna bil haqq so they say have you come with something better or are you just mocking us you know mm. bring us some kind of proof they're challenging him because they have nothing remember the thing is if if they had a reason to worship they would have told them up until now it's just the fact that they're copying somebody else and he says but rather your your lord is the one that you know constituted the heavens and the earth and fatarahunna brought them into an explosive existence 
And I am one of the people that are witnessing to this fact. I witness, I bear witness. In other words, I am here to tell you that this is the one that I worship. You've told me you worship because your forefathers worshipped it. And then he says, he challenges them. He says, by God, he makes an, a strong oath that I will definitely create some kind of strategy, strategy which is I will create some kind of structured strategy through which I will plot against your idols. Now, this is interesting because one of the things about prophets and Bia is that they have qualities. So, you know, this chapter is a pro chapter of the prophets, Surat al Anbiya. Prophets have, you know, scholars say at least four essential qualities, such as telling the truth, such as, um, you know, flawlessness, such as um, conveying what they've been told by God and not holding it back or hiding it. The last thing is, uh, which is uh, keen intelligence which is this ability to think on their feet by God. In other words, you know, this kind of engagement, you can't just be kind of dumbfounded by what a polytheist says and not be able to respond. You're the prophet of God. Do you say Fatana? So, Fatin. Fatin, yeah. Fatana. Fatin. Fatin. Hmm. So it's like Zaheen, this... Zaheen. Zaheen, yeah, exactly. Zaheen's a very good um, correspondence for that in Urdu, which is you, your zihin, which is your zihin, is, is really up to, up to scratch. Yeah. And so what's happening here is he's he's putting something, he's going to create a situation where they'll have to question him. But, you know, it's like, you know, how can I explain this? Imagine uh, you you're, you have a dispute with somebody and you obviously won the argument, but nobody's there to listen to you. And nobody knows about the conversation that's going on. So it's you in a closed door with the person that's oppressed you. You've shown that they're a liar and, and a cheat and all the rest of it, but nobody knows According to other people, you're as blameworthy as these people. The Prophet Ibrahim, if he wins the argument there, is no, no one's won anything. And so what he's, he's doing, and this is what I, I was thinking about when you were speaking, when you were reading the Urdu, is what he's doing is he's creating, he's moving a couple of steps in front of them, like in chess, where he's going to do something which will mean that they will have to admit the stupidity in front of everybody. In other words, they'll have to, like, almost like CNN will have to do a, a live feed and Al Jazeera and BBC, they'll have to come with their mics and there'll be a live press conference and they will question um, Ibrahim, Ali Salatu And all of a sudden, it'll be pretty obvious how stupid these people are, but everybody will know this. Mm. And the reason I was thinking was that the Prophet in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, you know, I was teaching Sira this year and I was like, when I was teaching it, it came to my mind that the Prophet created a situation where he would have to um, create a treaty and negotiate with the Quraysh. Now, if you know the story of Hudaybiyah, you will know that uh, the Prophet ﷺ intended to, told his companions they wanted to go on Umrah, and they moved towards Umrah. But the Prophet ﷺ sent in front of him, you know, a party of, of, of very, you know, kind of, I would say, Ominous individuals from the from the Ansar who were known to be warriors, who were known to spell this kind of idea of doom and warfare, like Muhammad ibn Maslama, radiallahu anhu. And as soon as the Quraysh saw them, they were kind of struck and they were confused and they stopped the, the Muslims coming towards Makkah al Mukarramah. And at that point, it was the only thing they could do was now negotiate with the Prophet. The Prophet had played a, a, a hand of cards, you know. You know, quote unquote, which forced them to sit with him and negotiate with him. In other words, Hudaybiyah was a success because the Prophet got to the point where now they couldn't attack him, they couldn't kill him, they couldn't torture them. They had to sit as equals negotiating a treaty. And so it's almost as if the Prophet could never have asked for that at any point, except in this situation. And the Prophet Ibrahim is doing exactly the same because his intelligence is such that he's thinking, you know, by the way, I'm going to do something. And he leaves it at that. And then they think, oh, do what you want, go away, you're a young person. Didn't think anything about it because they thought, what's a young child going to do? And then what happens, the Quran says, and he smashed them to pieces. In other words, he did this at a certain point, except for the largest of the idols. Um, why? Because it said in, in the Hadith literature that he placed an axe over its neck and they came back from a, 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 you know, a kind of festival and they said, 
who did all this? And they will, he will point to, them, to this idol. Why did he put the idol over it? So that they would come back to the idol, the biggest idol, and ask the idol what was happening. And they came back and they said, you know, fast forwards, this is a whole thing of they go away, they go to a festival, the Prophet Ibrahim smashes all the idols. They come back and they see this decimation and they say, who did this with our with our um, gods? Because that person is, is um, an oppressor. And this is obviously, at this point, it's becoming a bit more of a public discussion. And then what happens is they start to say to each other, we heard of this young boy who who's called Ibrahim. And they think, yeah, is that another young boy that said, I'm going to smash them up. I'm going to, I'm going to sort them out. And they say, okay, bring him. Not just bring him in closed doors and we'll beat him up and we'll teach him a lesson. They said, in front of everybody. Is like an expression in Arabic, which means, you know, on a pedestal, put him in on a platform. And this is what the Prophet Ibrahim wanted. He wanted to be on a platform hmm. so he could give the message in a way that would destroy their argument so that they, so the people can witness this whole spectacle that they want. You know, the, they're saying, okay, bring him here. We'll put him on a platform. Everyone will watch us humiliate him. And they said, you know, on the platform, they say, are you the person that did this to our, you know, idols? He said, mm, I think, you know, if you look, it's the big one that did it. This one, this one. Ask them, you know, ask them who did it to you. You know, the, the you know, the pieces that are on the ground, ask them, oh, you know, you you, you don't look too well. Can you just tell us who did this? Hmm. If they can speak, and that's it, checkmate. Because it's a whole process of you cannot get them to speak because you know and I know and everybody knows the Prophet Ibrahim knew and then they started to realize themselves that this is stupidity. And this is the this is the most fascinating part of this section for me is they turn to themselves. Yeah, blaming themselves. No, 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 no. Look, in other words, internally they turned and realized their stupidity. You're the wrongdoers. No, no, think about it. No, what's happening is they're not, they're not saying, they're not talking to people and saying we're all wrongdoers. No. Within themselves, within their psychological and spiritual state, they've realized, and the penny has dropped, as they say, You can say, well, they, they speak to each other and say, look, um, we've done all this and it's stupidity. No, each individual at that point dropped, uh, uh, you know, this penny in their in their consciousness that, فَقَالُوا they said, doesn't necessarily mean they said out loud, innakum antum al-zalimun. You're the ones, you know, each of them looked at each other and said, you know, in this in this context, we're saying Ibrahim is the zalim, the oppressor. You know, they're looking at each other and thinking, you know, I think we all know what the truth is here. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that then they they they, they hung their heads, for, you know, as, as an expression. In other words, this is a, this is a, an image of defeat. Psycholo you know when somebody's psychologically defeated? Yeah, I don't know if you've ever on. seen that. You know when somebody is so proud and arrogant and all of a sudden something happens and they just become destroyed. Something right. within them, you know, something within them died at that moment when the Prophet Ibrahim used that intelligence. Their innards just dis were dismantled. And, you know, you know, you know, and they say, you know, they say to him, you know that they can't speak. You know, mm -hmm. at the moment that they realize they cannot speak, something within them died, but they still had to say to him, you know that they can't speak. But Ibrahim's probably thinking, looking at them thinking, no, but you remember you just said that they can speak and they can do all these amazing things. And this is why we worship them. And and what's interesting is the arrogance is that they will not you know, turn back. But the Prophet Ibrahim just goes for it and he says, is this what you worship other than God? You know, look at yourselves now. They don't help you. They don't give you any harm or good. You know, uff in Arabic means something that's despicable. And in, actually in classical Arabic, in Bedouin Arabic, it's, it's the word used for your earwax. 
you know, the wax that comes out your ear, something that's thrown away and disgusting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some actually said it's what comes at your nostrils. It's something that's disgusting. Oof. You know, ah, chi, chi, chi. In, yeah. in, in, in India, they say chi, 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 chi. Do you understand? <laughs> so, lima ta'abuduna, you know, based upon what you worship other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, afala ta'qilun, do you not then use your intelligence? And at that point you would say, okay, they'll give up and they say, sorry. And they all worshipped Allah and then they destroyed all the fragments and they threw away the big one and then the Kaaba was brought uh, as a place of worship and the place he was at was made a place of worship. Everything was tawheed. But what did they do? They said, burn him. Hmm. They're destroyed. I mean, they're destroyed. He's mocked them in front of everybody like you know, primetime TV, live feed for everybody to watch and laugh. And what's the response? Like any dictatorship, burn them. Like in Egypt, for example, you know, the the kind of torture of, you know, the previous, um, you know, elected government, for example. Nothing but this kind of idea, regardless of what the kind of the politics of it is, this kind of sense of power and might being the reason why you can then just, torture and, and bully and kill they said and come and run and protect run to the protection of your idols if you're able to do that hmm. and this this kind of leads us up to you know I know it's time for iftar and things so it leads us up to this idea that despite the, the glaring defeat and obvious illogical nature of their belief system and the fact that Ibrahim has brought them to their intellectual knees, the only response that they have is the response of violence. And that's a lesson in history because the only people that bring, you know, people who are oppressors to, to their knees are prophets or people inspired by prophets. That's a rule. So anybody who brings anybody down that does not do it on the back of teachings of prophets will, will bring nothing but destruction. Look at the previous century you know, communism, national socialism, international socialism, tried to create so much good, but they killed hundreds of millions of people on the back of that. Trying to change an oppressive system by something that's more oppressive, there you go, that's your just deserts. But Islam and the previous religions came to change things in a way that would change them for the better. And history statistically, you know, shows that to be the case. All from this, the teaching of this one prophet, the Prophet Ibrahim, and he's remember he's called the father of prophets, alayhi salatu wasalam. Alayhi salatu wasalam. Uh, yeah, th this verse is kind of going through my head. Murad qalbi khalil hotum. So there is a connection between Prophet sallam and Ibrahim mm. alayhi salam. And Ibrahim. Murad qalbi khalil hotum. Khalil hotum. Ye sab tumhara karam hai aqa ke baat ab tak bani hui hai. And it's not me, Faisal bhai. Ham aaj ka program kyunki. Zikr hai Khalilullah ka. Zikr hai Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam ka. Or unke tawasut se zikr hai Nabi sallallahu alayhi salam ka. Wo Nabi jine murade kalbe khalil ka hakya. So kal takiliye jazat. Kal Khalilullah or murade kalbe khalil pe baat hogi. InshaAllah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum.